Okay, so this is um, round two of the Epstein and Co. drama and horrific things that they did to people. I say Co. because we don't know how many people it involves, do we? I mean, we know that it's quite a bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, we definitely know, you know, Ghislaine. And so I listened to our la- our favorite Aussie ladies, and they've been told by someone to not call Ghislaine a pimp because it implies that the girls were prostitutes and they were children. So we need to think of a me- another mean word for Ghislaine. Oh, shit. Okay. I don't know. I just think like monster. But I could, uh, well, I, okay. I'll let you think of it while I tell you this story, and I want to know if maybe something comes to mind. I'm really good at finding people nicknames. Okay. Uh, yeah, I feel like you're. I feel like you're. Oh, this is Deanna, by the way, our, our British expert in the. Um, I I would call her an evil recruiter. Ooh, I like that. The recruiter of hell. Rec- mm. Recruiter for hell. Recruit. Recruiter for the devil. The devil's recruiter. The devil's recruiter. Yeah. There okay. we go. All right. Lucifer. The DR. Lucifer and I don't know. Okay, well, that was good. I, I think we're the I think devil's we're close. recruiter. The devil's DR. recruiter. Dr. Yeah. yeah, she's Dr. So she's not a her pimp name, and her, Yeah, and her name's so freaking hard to say. Anyways, yeah, like I want to be like Gislaine. No, it's Gillane or whatever. It's such an awkward name. Well, I think it's devil so recruiter is just what it's supposed to and be. And her stupid her stupid dad's yacht was called Lady Gillane. She was his favorite of all the children. Of course, she's an egotistical monster. A hundred percent. I'm not surprised by this. Okay. So I have uh, a uh, a personal scoop that I learned about Ghislaine's character. And you wanted to surprise me with want, this. Yes. And just see what your reaction is okay. on air. I'm ready. So I'm going to be trying to be as vague as possible because, well, it doesn't matter. This was like 20 years ago and whatever. But this is a, a, a friend. It's someone I know very well, but let's say it's an older friend. Obviously, she's not my age um, when you hear the story. So someone that is very connected in the New York social scene um, and is just kind of in that world. So like 20 years ago, uh, this, my mom just told me this story. Our friend told us this. So, so this is not something that you've read about. No, this is a true story from a very close friend. Right. So I guess like last week or something, my mom, like my mom and I got off the phone when I was telling her, I was like, okay, I'm doing more like Epstein content. Like I got to go. I'm like, it was when I was going to record a Skype call with the Aussie ladies. Uh-huh. And then she called me back immediately. And I was like, what? And she was like, I forgot to tell you. I forgot to tell you. This person told my mom a personal story about Ghislaine. So like 20 years ago, um, let's just name this person Kathy. That's not her name, but whatever. Kathy um, was uh, like very pregnant with her son. And uh, Kathy is normally a very thin, very beautiful woman, also hilarious. Um, but she'd put on like a significant amount of weight when she was pregnant. I forgot the number my mom said, but my mom said it was, you know, like people, a good number. like humans do. I mean, like, I feel like when I get pregnant, I'm probably putting on at least 60 pounds. I'm certain of it. Like, that's just... There's no right or wrong. Some people do, some people don't, but apparently you're saying that this person's weight gain was above norm. No, it was... Okay. It was just what a pregnant person's is. Okay. Not... Okay. And so I think that this shows, and I'm going to give you a second example that is not a personal story, of Ghislaine's just thinking she's A, better than people, B, obsessed with weight, because we you, you guys heard, my listeners heard on the last podcast Deanna and I did, where she basically said she just didn't eat in order to please Epstein, probably because he liked prepubescent bodies. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know. That's um, what she was striving for. Yes. And she just thinks she's 
better than everyone. So, um, Kathy, our friend, um, for whatever reason, had a lunch scheduled with Ghislaine. I don't know if it was... So you like, have a friend that had a relationship with Ghislaine. She just knew her. I, it was probably just from the social scene. But so, still, that's crazy. Yeah. So they uh, go out to lunch. And one of the first things that Ghislaine says to Kathy, she looks at her from across the table and she goes, you look grotesque. Why would anyone want to bring... Or wait, Why would anyone want to give birth to a child if this is what it does to you? You look grotesque. Can you imagine saying to a pregnant woman, you look grotesque? I can't imagine saying to anyone, grotesque is the most You, you guys can't see my face right now, but I'm like, <laughs> there's, so, there's like 10,000 different thoughts going on in my head. And I don't know if I should share them. You Please do. Um, who would want to give birth to a child if it does this to you? First of all, let's get the record straight. It's a beautiful thing. We all know yeah. it. We're so grateful for our bodies. But number two... And by the way, this woman is much older now and completely bounced back from her pregnancy. She's absolutely gorgeous. So and who cares if she did yeah. Screw you, average-faced Ghislaine. Sorry you had to get really skinny because you're not that pretty. But can I just say, it's very hypocritical from someone who will go and recruit other people's babies to go and provide them to her fucking boyfriend. Yeah. And remember... So like from her standpoint, it just does not make sense. But who cares about her standpoint because she sucks. But number two, it's just such a disgusting thing to say. But you look grotesque. It's just... I couldn't say that to my worst enemy. Like, I don't even think I've ever said anything that mean about someone that I didn't like behind their back, let alone to their face. I mean, I've said some pretty mean things in my days, but I just... Can you imagine... It's, someone's pregnant, though. It's almost like wishing someone wasn't pregnant. Okay, but let's take or away... shaming them for having a baby. Let's take away behind their back. But someone you're an acquaintance with or friendly with and you have lunch with them. And you consider yourself like a self-proclaimed like bitch or I give my opinion or whatever. I know you would never say anything like that to someone. No, but this is not me making excuses for Ghislaine. I will just like to clarify. But if I think someone has, you know, is not looking their best, I will be like, oh, I can, I can notice it. And then also, um, but if they ask me, it wouldn't yeah. just be like me making a comment. And then also whenever I tell someone that I don't like something that they have or that they do, mm-hmm. I also back it up with like a solution that they can try. Yeah. Uh, but this is totally separate thing. It's pregnancy. It's fucking pregnancy. That's what I mean. Like, like and, and Ghislaine probably knows if she was ever to get pregnant, which is why she would never. Do you remember? Do I can't remember if we talked about this on the first one, but there was a certain point where Ghislaine and Epstein had. I think it was Ghislaine that had the conversation with the girl, and I can't remember if it was Virginia Roberts or which one of the um, victims. Actually, the uh, Prince and the Pervert ladies. Uh, are calling them survivors now because they are actually now that you think they about are it, survivors, survivors 100% so calling them victims the survivors yeah um I forget which one of the survivors she said it to she offered um one of them or probably more than one because so many haven't come forward yet um a certain amount of money a month um to have a child for her and Epstein they were basically trying to and I think that like a surrogate yeah uh, no no it wouldn't, I don't think it would be, no, I bet it would have been Epstein's sperm. I bet it would have been because that, because right. that was his plan. That was kind of like the Zora was the, Zora Ranch was the baby ranch where it was like, they were going to create a whole new race. Like he's clearly, he's crazy. Might, he might as well be Hitler. Like, honestly. Yeah, dictator honestly. mindset. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a weird comparison because Hitler killed 6 million Jews. However, 
I'm I just, mean, okay, sorry. I guess I'm just saying the psycho- the psychology and the mindset of like, I'm going to create a new race. Yeah, the psychology and mindset of a dictator and someone who's intolerant of, yeah. you know, differences. Yeah. And it's just disgusting. So Ghislaine would have never had a kid herself because she didn't want to ruin that um, prepubescent body, body that she'd starved herself to get so you could distract from the plainness of But I don't understand the, because I know some people don't mind not having monogamous relationships, but why would she provide him with all these different girls and then try to still be fit for him? And then I just don't understand the mindset. Like I, does that make sense? I know what you're saying and I I don't understand it either. I I think there's two theories people have about it, but I'm going to lean towards wanting to please him. Yes. I think that because they were interview, I think it was on the devil in the darkness podcast. I'm not sure, which we're going to reference later and we're going to do our best to give all of our sources because the people that are, doing this research really do deserve it. Can I also disclaim that mm. I am here as a reactor, reactionist and commentator and yes. just not an expert on the case at I'm, all. I'm not an expert either. You're, I, you've I actually, researched more than me. But I actually find it kind of fun on these types of podcasts. Like we're going to record Deanna's podcast next and she's way more up on pop culture. I think it's fun to hear someone's genuine shocked reaction to something that's like, what? Very serious. Yeah, that's yeah. not like we're now... It's opposed to us like talking over each other. Like, no, I know more about this. I know more. It's like, yeah, you got to have a genuine reaction to Ghislaine. Telling- but it's a very ignorant reaction. And also, I love that whenever I'm on Rachel's podcast, she forces me to step outside my comfort zone and share things that I would never normally share on podcast. <laughs> Whatever. I like it. It's great. I'm forcing you into it. Yeah. Um, what was I no, say you're about- not forcing me to do it. Mm-hmm. But your conversations force me to, you know, show a different side of myself. I think I it's like great. It. I like it. Okay. I absolutely love Traveler Collective because it reminds me in such a like sentimental, beautiful way of all the places I've been and the memories I've created and where I came from. So Traveler Collective is a global travel brand that creates products to commemorate your travels. They're based in Vancouver, Canada, and the people behind this company are big time travelers who believe traveling is the best opportunity to learn more about other people and foster cross-cultural understanding. And their flagship products are clips and country rings, and the idea behind them is simple. You collect an engraved ring for the countries you've visited and add them to a leather clip, like a keychain, that's uh, handmade in Vancouver. And every time you travel, you add a ring to your clip as part of your collection. So on mine, like I, I chose some of my favorite places that I love to travel, like uh, France, and I also chose places that I have been as well, but where I'm from, like Ireland and Italy, and I chose an Oregon one and a California, and I just love that it just kind of reminds me who I am, and it reminds me of all the beautiful memories I've created when I traveled. And since it started in 2015, Traveler Collective has donated 20% of profits to a variety of charitable initiatives. In 2018, TC launched its in-house initiative, Gifting Travel, which I think is so cool, with the goal of helping fulfill people's travel dreams. Gifting Travel asks someone who hasn't had the opportunity to travel where have you always wanted to go? And they make that trip happen, which I think is so important because everyone deserves to create these memories and have these wonderful experiences. And the uh, leather handmade clips come in brown, black, and tan. And they also have these very dainty necklaces that can also hold the rings. Um, The other thing I just love about them is I love the adorable packaging and just the connectedness you feel to the company and your memories. And I want you guys to try it out to get 30% off your collection. Go to travelercollective.com and use the promo code BEHERE. 
To get 30% off your collection, go to travelercollective.com and use the promo code Be Here. I also think it makes a great gift for the traveler in your life to show them that you're proud of them for creating these experiences. And they also ship worldwide and have shipped to over 120 countries. So I think it was on the Devil in the Darkness. Um, they interview um, one this woman who is a journalist whose sister was friends with Ghislaine. And so she kind of knew her in a certain circle like years ago. And it was kind of well known in that circle that Ghislaine was very, very in love with Epstein. I also think it's partial that she was in love with his money because she fell from greatness when her dad um, either committed suicide or was murdered or just actually fell off of his boat. But her dad has a whole shady history, which we'll go into when we talk about the spy stuff. Yes. Um, MI6, all that crazy shit. Mm-hmm. But the, the kind of the group consensus, it seemed at that time, was that she was so in love with him that she would do anything to please him. And I think she just wanted to be around him. She was just desperate for validation but I from also, him. Yes. But I also think she had a weird kinky sex side, a, a very, very strong power. Uh, she grew up in that, like, I, I'm going to get the number wrong because it any anything above, like, a six-bedroom house, even that's insane. Uh, the numbers to me is just like, what? She grew up, I think, and they said, like, a 52-bedroom house or something. She was incredibly... She was, I mean, she comes from a very yeah. privileged background mm-hmm. and she kind of lost that. And then yeah. it can like cause, you know, a psychological reaction where mm-hmm. you think that you need that back and you are, you're entitled to have that back. So she aligned herself with Epstein because he had money and he aligned himself with her because obviously he probably wasn't that attracted to her because he wasn't really attracted to anyone above maybe 18 right. or and 19. I- um it's probably not even just a money thing, but also a power thing where like she felt that, you know, having all this money, she was kind of a powerful member of society. And maybe he brought that feeling back to her as well. No. Well, I think it was mutual. I think he had the money because they said that she um, in her like trust or whatever after her dad died, she was given like $100,000 a year, which is a good amount of money. I wouldn't mind. Yeah, I'd love that. I would still have a job and then I would do something else with that money. But like that's fucking yeah that'd be awesome but that clearly wasn't enough for her so i think she liked epstein for his money he liked her because she was an old english socialite so she knew she was friends with fergie um which is how he met prince andrew and like she she understood social cues yes so he could just have her by him by his side yes um but at the same time she was very compliant with all of the shit that was going on it was a perfect storm yeah perfect they struck lightning in a bottle with each other of like creepiness now i'm going to tell you one more uh story about their character sexually right and before we go to zoro ranch you're looking at me like i'm gonna have the shock of the of my existence no no no. this is just this is just a well first i'll tell you because this is the same couple first i'll tell you what epstein did to someone he considered a friend back in the 80s right okay a friend quotations or a friend um well, this guy's like, you, I'm, gonna, I'm actually just going to read it for you because it's going to be told way better. Okay. So this guy named, oh, we're going to have to edit this or I'm going to have to because what, uh, why, did the, why are you giving me ads? There we go. Okay. So this gentleman named Jesse Cornbluff um, tells this story about his time knowing Epstein in the 80s and what Epstein did to his wife. And then what Ghislaine later did to him. Okay. So. So the couples were both, they were friends. Um, you'll hear. Okay. 
I think in like, I think, I, I mean, I think it's, there's probably like uh, sections of Los Angeles that are like this. And I think it's very popular in New York. There's just social circles, people that go to the same parties. So they know of each other and they, you know. Right. So they're, they're all interlinked, like, but they're not necessarily like a, having a double date together. Yeah. They're probably yeah. also not like going, like me, you and Jen, like go to each other's houses and, and, and Lauren and Jacqueline, like go to each other's houses and watch The Bachelor. I doubt they're doing that. I doubt they're that intimate of friends. Although, um. It's like the socialite life. Yeah. Although funny thing to think about with that. So we are truly good friends. Yeah. Now, I think a good testament of being a good friend is like, would you just hang out in someone's kitchen with them? Would you whatever? Uh, I think it was Trump or Clinton. See, I'm going to get in trouble for this. Allegedly, it's one of them. And so I acknowledge that I can't remember which one it was. Um, literally, like the used to like just go over to uh, Epstein's house and like hang with him in his kitchen and stuff. And then Prince Andrew... I would mean, do the same. If you're staying at someone's house, we talked about this last time. You are very good friends and you know someone's deep, darker secrets. There's very few people I would stay with. There's a lot of family members I wouldn't stay with when I go visit the, their city. We said this on the last podcast. Yeah, like you got to be close with someone or you like what they're doing inside their house. A hundred percent. We we, we talked about this on the last podcast. Like even if I had no money, there's very few chances I will stay with someone with yeah. someone that doesn't that hasn't seen me naked, that doesn't know about, like, do, do you know what I mean? You have to yeah. be very intimate with someone to stay at their house. Yeah. Even if they have a big house with 50 different rooms, it's a very intimate thing to have your bags and unpack your shit, especially when you're a powerful person, mm-hmm. stay in that person's house. Totally. And you and I both said on the last podcast, like, admittedly, hey, we both have credit card debt, but if we were going to go to, like, New York and we didn't have someone we really knew well, we're getting a hotel, hundred percent i'll spend that 300 bucks if i have to spend it and i'll figure out a way to pay it off like it's it's very going back to prince andrew he can stay anywhere he wants probably even for free just because people know that prince andrew is staying there yeah crazy it's ridiculous so they were obviously very close and it's not just that you you know when you're a person of power you know, to stay in a hotel, you know, you have the cleaning ladies coming in and like, mm-hmm. you never know what can come out. So you're obviously doing it to hide something. I'm really sorry. Oh, just that's not- a, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. You don't want people to see the comings and goings on their cameras of the, the children you're bringing or into shit your- in your room, like the cleaning ladies. Like, oh my God. Unless it's someone who's paid to and sworn to secrecy. Deanna, that is a genius statement you just came up with. That is so smart. Like, yeah, he could, he couldn't have gotten away with what he was getting away with. If he was saying it, that a public is my place. assumption. I can't say that he did. Fuck! If I was a not. cleaning lady, I would take photos of that evidence. I would be like, "Come uh, on, this is weird. This girl looks young. I'm just this, gonna take a quick cell phone photo." Yeah, if you're clean, it would make your life. Oh yeah, well yeah, and also just like let me just let me just keep this in my back pocket in case he is a creep. But a hundred percent, like you've solved the the world's mystery of a or or, or you're gonna end up murdered later because. You could, but you know, <laughs> good, good point. That's a, that's quite a good point. Now I don't feel so smart anymore. But yeah. do you know? I'm not saying that Prince Andrew did anything, but it just seems very weird to me that anyone would stay with someone else other than for reasons that are to hide something. I'm not yeah. saying what he's hiding is that he's definitely guilty. I'm not allowed to say because yeah. you know well, we're none of us are allegedly. Uh, but but I'm just saying something fishy, something hidden. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So this guy. Um, Jesse Cornbluff. Okay. So let me just read. It's only, this won't take long guys. And I'll try my best to read in my sixth grade, nervous reading aloud voice. Oh my gosh. You're so cute. You've never done teleprompter work. Oh, I, no, I have. Oh, you have. Oh, I was good at that. I read fast, 
But occasionally... The prompter follows you. This doesn't follow you. So you get mixed up with the text. Exactly. Yeah. And full disclosure, I blame you, mom. And my mom... This is so funny. My mom likes to make fun of me on social media now when I don't uh, speak clearly because I, I have a speech impediment. I like give up halfway through a sentence sometimes. I don't do it on the podcast really because I I very, I'm very conscious of it. But in regular conversation, if I don't feel like just clearly finishing the rest of a sentence, I just like won't do it. I'll just kind of like mumble off. News to me. I've never noticed. Yeah. Well, they told my mom when I was like in third grade, they like pulled her aside and they were like, we think your daughter needs speech therapy. We think she has a bit of a speech impediment. My mom was like, she's perfect. She's fine. Because my mom always thought we were perfect. And yeah. now I'm like, hey, mom, you don't get to make fun of me. You had an opportunity. So anyways. Oh, my gosh. Wait, sorry. I'm like shocked by this, too. That's news to me. I went to speech therapy as well. Well, it worked for you. Well, oh, I didn't go. So that's why I didn't went work. because I had I was using my voice in an improper way. No one cares about this, but I'll just share anyway. I, I was using my <laughs> it's voice. Our in, podcast. It's your podcast. I was using my voice in an improper way that was giving me nodules. And number two, I actually did speech therapy in the UK because I have always had a mixed accent because mm-hmm. of my very international background. And when I was in drama school, musical theater school, they said that I would get no jobs if I didn't learn how to speak English properly. So they kind of I was taught how to speak this way mostly. Interesting. Uh huh. I would think like being. What does your uh, sw- uh, Swiss accent sound like? And I, I, I almost just said Swiss. français. Je parle français. Oh, is it? So they speak French. They speak French. That was so stupid it was of just me. my English. No, no, no. But it, I had under a rock. No, 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 no. The, the, you're 100 percent right because my English has always been English, but always mm. affected. Yeah. So that was the issue. That makes sense to me though, because my my grandma, um, born and raised in Rome, but then went to college in. Um, Canada where they spoke French at school yeah so her accents never made sense to me like I've never thought she had an Italian accent I think she has more of a French accent but when she speaks Italian it's like she has a hybrid accent but I don't know what it is it's just affected by all your different influences which is what I have yeah I'm just white trash not Um, at all (laughs) okay so okay so this guy I'm gonna say his name again Jesse Kornbluth and now an important thing to know is this guy went to Harvard okay all right Jeffrey Epstein didn't abuse underage girls in a vacuum. He had enablers and friends. And by the way, this article was written in 2019. Okay. He had enablers and friends. For a few years in the 80s, I was one of his friends in the transactional Manhattan meaning of that word. And I got a preview of his sickness. When we met in 1986, Epstein's double identity intrigued me. He said he didn't just manage money for clients with mega fortunes. He was also a high-level bounty hunter. What's Some, that? Um, I... Like, uh, sorry like, to cut you. I, I I get a little confused with bounty hunter because I'm like, is it a bail bondsman or no? A bounty hunter is like, I got a bounty on you. Like, like someone wants you killed or someone wants something from you. Got it. A uh, hundred thousand dollars or something. Okay. I'm guessing. Guys, please correct us if we're wrong. Please. We should have looked it up. Oh well. Um. <laughs> see, this is why we're not experts. My bad for asking. No, I I should know that and I have a vague understanding of it. Okay. Sometimes he told me he worked for governments to recover money looted by African dictators. Oh, so I think it could be just money owed to someone. Right. So almost like how mafia is like, I'm going to break your legs if you don't give me this. Okay. Okay. Very interesting career to head. Yeah. Very interesting. Other times those dictators hired him to help them hide their stolen money. Epstein was pleased that I was interested in writing about him. Not a profile, a book. That prospect convinced him that I should see a sample of his craft. So we met in the lobby of an office building on Park Avenue South and took an elevator to a law firm where he'd intended to serve a subpoena he didn't get past the receptionist. I thought this episode odd. A major financial figure trying to serve a subpoena? Don't you hire someone to do that? My interest lapsed. And this is where it gets interesting. 
My wife-to-be was then a military historian with a book about to be published. Interview magazine photographed her in a button-up military shirt with a taut khaki tie. A witty photo of an attractive woman, but not a sexy look. Um, when he's interviewed on a podcast, he does say like his wife was incredibly beautiful. But I guess like this look was like not intended to be overly sexy. Um, but not a sexy look. Jeffrey Epstein had chatted her up at a few parties. The military look fooled him not at all. The night before our marriage, Epstein called his wife. So not him. It's your last free night, he told my wife to be. Why don't you come over and fuck me? That was how in June of 1987, Jeffrey Epstein became dead to me. Holy shit. Now there's another thing on this podcast. So in the podcast, they actually interview him. They don't read this article where then Jeffrey Epstein um, called a bunch of people pretending to be him. And I think hitting on their wives, it was very odd. And then, so this guy like kind of boils it down to where he was like, I don't know what Epstein wanted from me. What he's, he was like, I was like a journalist making a very low level salary. He goes, the only thing I could think of was that a, I had a beautiful wife and B that I went to Harvard and Epstein so desperately wanted to be like, because he wasn't that he, he didn't he, come from that. Yeah, He talked his way into all this. He yeah. wanted, so, so I think he saw like, you know, some kind of status he could associate himself well, with. Well, people kind of, and it shouldn't be a flattering thing, but people kind of call him the talented Mr. Epstein, like the talented Mr. Ripley, where he just became what he decided he wanted to be, even yeah. if he didn't have the credentials. So being around, you know, people that came from the background that he wanted to come from would kind of bring out that energy in him. Yeah. As in like the Harvard energy. I yeah. don't know if there's such thing, yeah. but I'm just trying to. Or he just was like, yeah, I think you're right. So obviously that guy, um, was not friends with him anymore and the wife didn't fuck him. Okay. <laughs> La- last little thing I'm going to read. Last little thing I'm going to read where Jelaine's fucking weird on this. Can, can, we just, can we just acknowledge for one second that no matter how much money you have, thinking that you can go and speak that way to a woman, like just expect. Like she's going to be like, oh, yeah. I've, no, but I've been listening to so many podcasts nowadays because it's kind of like this new movement where um, women, like with women and orgasms. I know I'm getting, I, I'm going on so many different okay. tangents, but... You know, before it was kind of the woman's job to make a guy come. Like it's necessary for Mm -hmm. the guy to come at the end of everything. But it's not necessarily a thing for a woman to actually have pleasure to. Oh yeah, way back in the day that was like a... No one one cared. And still today, some women just feel like they just have to be that. And... But but, but which is terrible because it's just a society, whatever. And... I don't know where the I'm getting that, out with this. Well, I think you're... Can I guess please, where you're going? Please, I think that they're a person like Epstein, and there's a lot of guys like this who think they can just be like, why don't you come over and fuck me? And a girl's going to be like, really? You chose me? I just think he Lucky sees me. no value in femininity. Not at all. He just sees it as something that he's owed and something yeah. that he's entitled to, and it just completely devalues femininity and the female and it's just and I'm not I'm not going to be the girl who's going to scream female empowerment on all the rooftops but I just think that that is so disgusting oh it just it just shows I mean there's I mean there's a thousand cases of of Epstein showing how little he cared about women so but this okay so but this shows Ghislaine's character and then this will lead us into um Zorro Ranch and what they did to a 16 year old girl okay and then I'm going to let Deanna take the reins about the crazy spy shit. Yes. Guys, this is going to be good. Stay tuned. Guys, look around you. It's a wireless world and everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. But before you go dropping hundreds of dollars on a pair, you need to check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. I cannot 
rave about Raycon enough. I have always had a hard time with earbuds falling out of my ears. They just, for some reason, don't fit. I can like walk with the other ones, but I can't get into a jog. And I, they, really, they just always fall out. And I was absolutely thrilled to learn about Raycon. I now use them. I pretty much go jogging like five times a week. They have saved my life where I I can... I oftentimes will like do my work on it, listen to podcasts or I'll listen to my own podcast back to make edits. And I feel like I can just conveniently and comfortably walk, run, whatever, and listen to them. They won't fall out. The sound is so clear. And you already know that Raycon earbuds start at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market and that they sound just as amazing as other top audio brands you know. And Raycon's latest model, the E25, is their best one yet. Yet, with six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, and that's another thing, it pairs so easy, because sometimes that's so confusing. Um, they have more bass and a, and a more compact design that gives you a nice noise-isolating fit, and they really do cancel out. I was on a flight back from Detroit, and uh, the person next to me, lovely, she kept t- trying to talk to me, and she, I don't think she realized that they were canceling out the sound so much that I, I could not hear her. They are amazing. Raycon's wireless earbuds are so comfortable, they're perfect for on-the-go listening and for taking phone calls. And unlike many other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet with no dangling wires or stems. And you've heard me talk about how the company was co-founded by Ray J and other celebrities, and everyone is obsessed with Raycon. So pick up a pair and see what the hype is all about. And now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash be here. That's buyraycon.com slash be here for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. That's buyraycon.com slash be here. B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash be here. In the early 90s at a Joan Rivers dinner party, my wife and I encountered Ghislaine Maxwell, daughter of disgraced British publishing mogul Robert Maxwell, and Epstein's girlfriend for a brief period in the 90s. She has been accused of recruiting and grooming girls and women for Epstein. She denies this. I'd met her several times with Epstein. We were also friends, in quotes, in that transactional Manhattan way, and might now become better friends. And then she said, If you lose 10 pounds, I'll fuck you, she said, with my wife standing next to me. And she, too, became dead to me. Like, the arrogance. His wife's standing right there. The arrogance of that. She just loves power. I truly believe in that. This is going to make me sound really mean. And I'm not. You're not a mean person. Because I brought it up a few times. But I believe part of Ghislaine becoming this person of, like, I will sexually take you over. I will. Um, I will make you, I will belittle you. I will, whatever. I truly believe, because if you look at photos of her, she is, she's not like the glamorous, like Victoria's Secret models. Cause I mean, they were running around that, that she's establishing her dominance and her power. Yes. Cause she's not traditionally like the most exotic, beautiful woman in the room at all. She's got a short haircut. She doesn't have good style at all. I mean, she's got like fancy style, but she dresses kind of like a lot of photos. She's like in a, like a stuffy button up. Like, yeah, she almost looks like an FBI agent where I'm right. just like, eh, lady, like what is feminine about you? Yeah. Um, so I think, I think a lot of it was, she probably grew up maybe wanting to be, you know, the, I'm trying to think of probably what her, based on her age, like who the hot women of the time were, I don't know, like a Cheryl Teagues or something. I don't know. Um, 
And she just wasn't. So her way of establishing power is to act like this. So it's basically it's valuing herself and making, she's basically establishing herself as an asset. And she's like, you deserve me rather than ask. Or it's just like an angry little girl who's like, where this, this man is standing next to his beautiful wife. And she's not only insulting the woman by saying this to him, but also insulting him. Like if you lose 10 pounds, you'd basically, you'd be lucky to fuck me. Right. I'm all set, Ghislaine. <laughs> Especially when you have an attractive wife. Yeah. It's, it, there's a part of, to me, I mean, again, ignorant opinion, a part of me that's like thinking this is jealousy mm-hmm. and, you know, spoiled girl yes. throwing her toys out of that's the pram. What, that's what I'm trying to say. It's yeah. jealousy. It's like, so if I But rather than making it like, you know, how women would do it, which is like petty little comments and stuff, mm-hmm. she went with like the shock factor, like, I'm above this and establishing her position yes. as like, like, I don't even care that I like that. I'm maybe not the most beautiful. It, she's like, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. Yeah. I decide. And you're all beneath me. You peasants. Yeah. She treats people like peasants. So, okay. <sighs> so do you want to hear about, and I want your natural reaction on what a horror story it would have been to be the 16 year old girl. Yes. So I'm, you were saying that you were going to talk to me about this and I'm kind of dreading it. And I, cause I don't, I don't think we talked about it last time because no, I didn't. just started really getting into the Zorro ranch stuff, which is the ranch near Santa Fe, New Mexico, which guys, guess what? So my boyfriend, um, has a ranch, not for creepy reasons in Colorado and also not a working ranch. It's like, yeah, they're growing some hemp over there, but there's just basically a, sh- a shitload of land that, well, I'm trying to figure out if I can grow grape vines and uh, start a winery there. Anyways, um, but so it's not fancy. There's Still no, need to meet your boyfriend, by the way. He's very sweet. But his ranch in Colorado was only like two and a half hours from Santa Fe, the Zorro Ranch, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I asked him the other day, and my boyfriend's a director, has all his camera equipment, and he's the one that edits my sound on my podcast. So like, we're going to go in stacked. And so I asked him the other day, I was like, when the weather gets better, can we fly to your ranch and drive to Santa Fe? Um, so I can try to get close enough to the Zorro Ranch, but I say we start interviewing people in the town and asking them, hey, did you notice anything weird? And just seeing what we come up with. Journalist Rachel. I know. I love this. It's can you great. just become a journalist even though you didn't go to school for it? Yeah. That's, I had a political science degree. That's basically what I did, my friend. Okay. I was not a journalist at all. Okay. So you can just decide your one. You can just decide your one if you put in the work and you actually come up with good get, stuff and good get information. Get your way into it. Just decide you're the most beautiful woman in the room. <laughs> you know what? If there's anything that we can take away from that situation, yes, it's this. This is the only positive. It's the only. I mean, <laughs> use it for the right reasons, my yeah, friends. Yeah. Please don't use it for bad reasons. Manifest. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Ghislaine should have written a book about manifesting. That's all she, she could have made millions doing that. She could have been a motivational speaker and used her talents as establishing herself as hot shit, which she was not to yeah. inspire people to achieve their goals. She could have been a Gary V. Honestly. Not a fucking pimp, which by the way, oh, I said fucking, oh, I can't say that no, on your podcast. No, I've said fuck more than Which she's already. not a pimp now. She's a, uh, whatever devil, we called it. The devil's, devil's recruiter. Recruiter. There we go. Yeah. Okay. So Maria Farmer was this, um, uh, a brilliant musician whom, but she was not underage and she was also not sexually assaulted until later. Isn't 16 underage? 16 is her sister. So Maria Far- So Maria Farmer is the um, older one. Her little sister is named Annie Farmer. Got it. So I forget how, oh, I'm sorry. She wasn't a musician. She was a painter. I'm an idiot. Epstein, an artist. Uh, yeah. Uh, Epstein and Ghislaine met her at one of her art shows. They decided they took a liking to her art. Um, 
And interestingly enough, the piece that they were really into was a uh, photo or was a painting of what looked like, well, Maria realized this later, why they were probably into the painting. Maria Farmer was, um, is, she still is an artist and she's finally making art again because they did not take everything from her because she's a survivor. So Maria Farmer, an artist, um, they met her at, at her one of her art shows and the photo they really zoned in on now she realizes why he probably liked it. It's like a man in like boxer shorts, but all you see is the back of him. And he's kind of like walking into a room where it looks like could be a younger girl, like in a state of undress or whatever. Okay. Just right up Epstein's fucking alley. Literally. Yeah. Which is very interesting foreshadowing for what they did to her sister. So Epstein basically was like, I love your art. Da, da, da. And he's like, I think you should come work for my company. It'll help you, um, uh, supplement your art career blah 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 yeah Yeah. and she was probably like early to mid 20s at the time which is something that he did quite a lot he lured people in by saying it's going to enhance your career exactly and the um, or their education and this is how he got her little sister and their freaking mom to let her little sister go because this is how goddamn good they were and and it's really i think it's very important to know and maria farmer um, and her sister annie said at the end of this podcast um uh, I get, I'll reference it later. It's not Devil in the Dark, it's a different one. That it's really quick, or it's easy for people to start blaming the family. Like the parents, like how would you let your daughter go do this? The thing that makes these people, and they call them grifters, they're so good at convincing even parents. Like that is often, and, and they had like a, a child a sex abuse psychologist and whatever on it, and she agreed with them. It was like, that is almost the final stage of their grooming is like, Make the parents think this is normal yeah. or make them whatever. Because there's something that you don't see is first of all, the parents are obviously probably unaware of what's going on behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. But also, you know, when you're in a state of desperation, there's a side of a parent that is just like, I'll do anything to make sure that my child can get the best education yeah. and the best opportunities. And when you're not aware of, of exactly what that entails, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes as a parent, you think that you're doing oh, the yeah. right thing for your kids. I don't even necessarily think they were like in a state of desperation. I think that they were th- like, there's a lot of families that were in this case. Like there was, yeah. I mean, he, he bought a girl from maybe the Soviet Union, I can't remember. From He did go family. to women that yes, were in yes. states of desperation. This was just, I mean, I could see my mom and falling for this. If someone was like, my wife and I, because he said it was his wife, are really taking an interest in your child's education. So, I mean. 100%. You know, if someone is like, I want to be a an angel, what is it called? An angel investor in your yeah. ch- child's career. So many parents would be like, oh my gosh, I would love yeah. to be given that opportunity. Absolutely. So, excuse me, I just burped right into the mic. So lovely. Maria Farmer's in her like early, whatever, 20s, mid 20s. And so I think initially, like she obviously wasn't a target. Um, so she does start working for Epstein. And she thought a lot of things were weird that he did, but she couldn't quite figure it out or whatever. And then she mentioned to Epstein at a certain point that she had a little sister. And Epstein was ka-ching. like, yep. And he Epstein, was like, ka-ching. Yep. And Epstein was like, oh my gosh, you should have her come visit you in New York. Like, I'll pay for it. Like, you guys should go to some plays, like have a wonderful time. Like, your sister, you and your sister deserve to spend time together. Mm-hmm. You fucking creep. Yeah. So he flies her little sister, Annie, out to New York. And um, they have a wonderful time. It was like the greatest time that Annie had had. And then um, they go to a movie at a certain point. Maria... Epstein and Annie and Epstein sits between them I think or whatever he was at least sitting next to Annie and during the movie discreetly so Maria couldn't see he starts rubbing 16 year old 
Annie's leg and holding her hand and stuff. Annie's very uncomfortable, but she's also 16. So she's like, I don't know if this is right or wrong. Yes. Which we've seen on, you know, the morning show and things like you don't know how to react because you're in shock. And uh, she never told her sister because she was like, I don't want to ruin this opportunity for my sister. Like she was being very protective of her older sister. Like I don't want to blow something out of proportion. So she never mentions it. And the fucked up part is he probably knew that that's something that she would be thinking about by involving both sisters. Totally. They, yeah, that that uh, they actually mentioned that on this podcast. That happens a lot where <sighs> several siblings are being sexually abused and they don't realize that their other sibling is being, so they never tell the other one because they think if I bear the brunt of this, the he won't creep, do it to the other yes. sibling and I'm protecting the uh, other sibling. Yes. And oftentimes they are doing it. And oftentimes they say that it hurts the sibling, other sibling more than it happened. They couldn't protect their, yeah, it's sad. Yeah. So anyways, it's a lose-lose situation, yeah. but it's the tactic that he used, yeah, it's, which is so manipulative. Yeah. he's a monster. Yeah. So Annie goes back home and, you know, Epstein still is in contact, but he contacts Annie's mom and he's like, I just think your daughter is so brilliant and I think it would be really good for her to like do some study abroad program so she can get into an Ivy League school. And we're actually, me and my wife, Ghislaine, are going to have this weekend for... Um, high level achieving smart young students to uh network and interact and and whatever and we're, we're basically holding this like camp at our ranch in santa fe and at first the mom was like she felt like a little weird about it but then she was like well then she spoke to Ghislaine, i think and he's like well that's his wife and like oh so everything must they're married be fine. they're a happy couple yeah. everything's good exactly and annie was like oh well i've never met his wife i bet he's never gonna try to hold my hand again i guess this will be fine so Annie gets flown to Santa Fe and they like, she like gets picked up in this car with like a sign or whatever. And she's like, oh my God, like this is so cool. Like what yeah. an experience. So excited. She's going to meet these other friends uh, at this. By the way, th- the Zorro Ranch is the most remote of his freaking pedophile properties. Yeah. Um, and so she thinks there's going to be like 20 other kids there. Like that's how it was pitched to her. And she shows up on this desolate ranch and she's the only one. And at first she's like, so where's the sister? The sister's in New York. Okay. So this was just him flying the, the little sister, little sister okay. on the pretense that we're holding this like excelling yeah. students camp thing. So she's expecting these other kids, but she's also like, this will be an environment where he's with his wife. So no funny yeah. business. Yeah. So complete opposite. So she gets there and she's initially terrified. Naturally. Can you fucking imagine you're 16 years old and you're alone with, two psychos yeah but then but then um she finally she meets Ghislaine for the first time and her her nerves are settled and because she's like okay well I guess this will be fine it's the wife yeah and Ghislaine like took her shopping and then like she was like and then um they both took me to movies and they were at the she goes I just figured you know they had this really playful banter with each other and like and so I guess she just was like okay I guess there's no other kids here this is weird but how does she get out of the situation She's 16 and it's so remote and like... Do you know when when this was? Um, early 2000. 
Yeah, I'm just I'm just trying to, to like uh, think about cell phones uh, and stuff. Yeah, I'm just like this would be a situation that nowadays I'm not saying she did anything wrong and like she could have done this and that, but this is a situation that you know where cell phones nowadays would actually be beneficial because you could easily text your best friend or your parent and be like, "Does this sound weird to you?" And then that's it, true. It's something that could actually help you in that situation, no matter how I terrible. T- I totally our agree. Is. But she says on this podcast, she goes, "the The scary part is was." She didn't want to say. She didn't want to say. And she, yeah, she didn't want to get her sister in trouble. She didn't want to scare her mom. And she yeah. also said she knew what the the known fear of being there. She'd already established what that was. She didn't know what the unknown fear of asking to leave would be. What would they do to her? Got so it. She, it was like she was weighing the fears. Yeah, she was. She felt trapped. Yeah. So regardless of having a phone or not. Yeah. Yeah. So they take her to the movies a couple days into the trip or a day and who knows. And she goes... He started doing the same thing to me in the movie, but this time he wasn't trying to hide it like he was with my sister. It was like, yeah, look, Ghislaine, look what, what I'm doing and look what's happening. And she thought it was weird. She was scared, but she just was like, I don't know. So then, he almost used his sister as leverage at this point. Well, sister wasn't there. No, but in this entire situation. Oh, abs- oh 100%. Because she was oh, well, now uh, yeah, kept quiet. All she had to say was, oh, I have a 16-year-old sister. And he was like, hi. Yeah. <laughs> I'm available. Um... So then they go back to the Zorro Ranch and Ghislaine tells her um, Epstein really likes foot massages. And, and there we go again with the massages. Yep. So she encourages to give Epstein a foot massage. That's obviously really creepy, but she doesn't. She just is like, I don't know. Is that what you do? Uh, so whatever. Then uh, like the next night, um, Ghislaine offers to give Annie a massage. And... She pitches it. So the thing is, she just keeps saying, Ghislaine would pitch things in a way of like, this is normal and this is what people do. I'd like to give you a massage. Right. And so she tells yeah. her to take, try to normalize it, yeah. rationalize it. And that's how you let people in. Yeah. So she tells her to like get naked under a sheet or she, she might be wearing underwear. Who knows? But she's topless. And Ghislaine is like massaging her and she starts like massaging her like around her breasts, not necessarily touching them. Yeah. And Annie was so scared and so uncomfortable. And she said, I felt another set of eyes on me. She goes, I know Epstein was in the room watching, but she goes, I just kept my eyes closed because I didn't want to see him watching. Right. So then um, on her like final night there, she in the morning, she like wakes up and Epstein like comes in her room. Like she goes in like the kind of cocky, you know, overly um, congenial type of way he normally would. And he's like, would you want to cuddle? Let's cuddle or whatever. And she's like, uh, and he did, she goes he asked but obviously he wasn't asking and he just jumped right into bed right and she started to fucking panic and she did the only thing she knew what she could do to just change the dynamic and she says she had to go to the she goes i have to go to the bathroom, bathroom. gets up go to the bathroom locks herself in there until she heard him walk out and then she didn't like, i think she said she didn't see epstein for the rest of the trip maybe not even Ghislaine. and then she was taken home and she did not tell her mom or her sister until Many years later, and she now feels bad that she could have, if she would have told her sister, her sister wouldn't have been sexually assaulted, her older sister, by the both of them like a year later. So that's creepy. And just that's just a little hint of what was going on at the Zorro Ranch. Postage rates have gone up again. But thankfully, Stamps.com eases the pain with big discounts off post office retail rates. And... The thing for me is it saves me so much time. Stamps.com is completely online, which saves you time. No more inconvenient trips to the post office. I mean, I got super into selling my clothes, like you guys know, 
And I dreaded the fact that I was going to have to like go and like ship them. And I'm, uh, uh, you know, I'm like, it's not even worth selling them. But stamps.com makes it so much easier. Stamps.com brings all the services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your computer. Whether you're a small office sending invoices, an online seller shipping up products, great for you Etsy uh, store holders, or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day. Stamps.com can handle it with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send. Once your mail is ready, just hand it to your mail carrier or drop it off in a mailbox. It's that simple. Stamps.com not only saves you time, it saves you money too. With Stamps.com, you get discounted postage rates that you can't get at the post office. Not to mention, it's a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters. And there's no equipment to... there's. No equipment to lease and no long-term commitments. Stamps.com is a no-brainer, saving you time and money. It's no wonder over 700,000 small businesses already use Stamps.com. Honestly, what are you waiting for? If you are consistently shipping things, why would you want to go to the post office? I mean, just make it convenient for yourself. Stamps.com is the answer for convenience, ease, and efficiency. And right now, my listeners can get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Be Here. That's stamps.com and enter Be Here. Okay, so stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Be Here for a four-week trial plus free postage. It's so crazy to actually have someone and come give such detailed information because first of all, it takes so much courage, but also um, all the stuff that we talked about last week that we were like, it was said that he did this and he did that. Like now we actually have, there's like a whole plan to how this works mm-hmm. and they, they have a way of approaching and they have a way of like grooming, them. grooming, normalizing it and mm-hmm. It obviously didn't work with her. Or they confuse you. Like I could see myself being, I could even see myself now, maybe not now, but like at certain points in my life, just kind of being like, what's going on? Like they almost like set you out of sorts. Well, I'm going to be, you're just like, what's okay. I don't know what's happening right now. I'm going to be a hundred percent honest with you. Like when I had just moved to LA and Mm -hmm. as you know, I came here as a host and a journalist and I really wanted to host. And you know, I remember stuff happening where I was CC'd onto emails with people for potential jobs and people would then message me and be like, yeah, um, let's meet for drinks or something. Okay. And I deep down know that it's not how you do business. But, you know, I was like, maybe that's how people do this in this industry in LA. It's entertainment. It's networking. I did that uh, so many times. So many times. And mm-hmm. then you go to drinks and there's a bunch of guys. And you, but I'm not saying this is sexual assault no 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 no, no. we're not saying that but but this was not a professional meeting Mm -hmm. it was just like oh this girl could be fun like let's go out and then maybe discuss you know a career later down the line Mm -hmm. if there's a friendship there or whatever but it it was they're basically wasting your time yeah it was by no means a professional meeting Mm -hmm. and had I known I I fell for it I went to all the drinks and I went Mm -hmm. to all the things and then I was like wait these people are not getting a job Yeah. yeah and so it's not exactly the same example, but I, you know, I was over 25 by that point. I was like 27. We're just admitting you can be confused in these situations. I had a similar thing probably around the same at 27 maybe. Yeah. Where it's someone I thought was like kind of in my friend group, but I was never that close to them. Like we'd never gone out to drinks alone. We've just kind of like, um, and he was uh, the head of, I'm not even going to say what, but very powerful 
um, in the industry. And all of a sudden he was just like, oh, I want to go to your, one of your comedy shows one time. And I was like, cool. He's like, let's get drinks before. And so Katana's next to the comedy store. And so we did. And we had drinks once. And then um, once he found out somehow that uh, I would was not interested in dating him based on God knows what, I don't know. He walked up to me and said, um, uh, I'm trying to say this without saying it. There was a show comedy wise where he could have had some control about me being on and just said you're never going to be hired for anything like that like I'll make sure yeah like that also happened to me like once there was no potential for any form of relationship it was mm -hmm. like I never told you I would give you a job it's like cool you just wasted my time oh because you bought me a few drinks that's on your company card you asshole like literally though like god it happens quite a bit in LA, not in the in the crazy dramatic way yeah. always that we see that we've seen on the morning show and things like that. But there's more subtle, less dramatic situations that happen constantly every single day. Absolutely. And where I was a girl alone, and I was like, well, maybe, maybe I should. Maybe that's how you make friends and you make connections. And yeah. now, you know, whenever I want something from people, even if it's a favor, I send an email. And I'm like, can you do this for me? Yeah, and because it's true. You just didn't. Know, you don't know any better. No. And you think like, and I would always think like, well, I'm tough. Like, I'm not gonna whatever. And it's like. It's just, yeah. Okay, so do you want to explain? Well, again, prefacing this by saying I'm not knowledgeable, but we just listened to a couple of clips. Um, what was the... Devil it, in the it Darkness. Was, it was called The Devil Devil in the Darkness. Yeah. And so there's a couple of things that stood out to me um, that we will touch on now. So basically, these are all the conspiracy t- theories about how Epstein was allowed to you know, do all those things, not get caught, but also kind of get caught mm-hmm. and just get, you know, special treatment in prison and get released and all of that stuff. And so one of the theories is that he was running an intelligence operation mm-hmm. and that's kind of helped him escape justice. Yeah, because he had cameras installed all around his house. So because of these cameras... People are saying that um, they call it the honey trap or the love trap. So, you know, he had all these powerful men come into his homes and because he had video evidence of everything, he could use them Mm -hmm. to basically blackmail them. And that's kind of how people kept his secrets. And these people were all very powerful people, Mm -hmm. which it's not the first time that I've heard of people using women and prostitution um, for you know political reasons i mean in different ways they've done it i recently just watched that document um not the documentary that show on netflix the spy Mm -hmm. where you know there's a an israeli spy that Mm -hmm. goes to it's it's okay no worries i do that all the time (laughs) sorry and long story cut short he's in with all these very powerful men in an Arabic country. I'm sorry if I forget exactly which one because I watched this a while ago and I binged on so many different Netflix shows. And I should know this because I'm Jewish, but um, and someone who wanted to kill the president and basically plan a coup asked him, can you have a party with all these women and invite all the president and all these powerful people so they can all be distracted by the girl? So this is a very different type of honey trap I don't even know if it can be called a honey trap, but um, it's still... No, it's kind of the same thing. It's its not used for blackmail and leverage, but it's used to distract someone that they needed to not be on and at yeah. work at that time. Well, they said like the Russians used to do it, or we used to do it to the Russians or vice versa in the Cold War. What, you know, yeah. it was like... Because, because obviously 
guys have a weakness for which i just find hilarious sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you but like you're supposed to be the head of a country and it takes one pretty girl for you to spill your guts you moron literally shouldn't someone have trained you to just like what do you do like you're stupid i I don't trust you to run a country if that's what it takes i i uh, true number one number two male instincts like think with something else than your (laughs) egg-shaped penis egg-shaped penis (laughs) (laughs) i love that you just used that um i just i there's so many different layers and level of levels of things that add up with this that created the perfect storm and it just overwhelms me to even talk about like one or two things because yeah there's just so many different things it kind of sounds like epstein has been planning his life and his success from inside the womb at this point oh yeah yeah that's so true it's so fucking crazy and also there's something that really um stood out to me from the clips that we listened was the collateral damage Mm -hmm. that this has created so not only you know people said that he um you know, was a part of, had a whole intelligence operation and, you know, involved all these poor victims, survivors, mm-hmm. women, and etc. But also the police in trying to, the the, the FBI, mm-hmm. trying to, to arrest him and, you know, wanting justice for mm-hmm. what he's done, are now losing families over this. Well, and Mark Dugan, what is he, the chief of... The Mark Palm Dugan, Beach so he's... um. You said he was not um, the British. Uh, no, no, he's Palm Beach. Police. Palm Beach Sheriff yes, something. Like yeah. Um, I wrote it down somewhere, but I can't find it That's in my fine. notes because I, I tried to make notes because I'm not the most knowledgeable, but I'm very opinionated. So I guess that's why I'm here. <laughs> and um, he had he lost his family. He lost his family because he basically had access to all these different tapes that he had encrypted and coded so that people can't have access to them he did it out of security Mm -hmm. because you know people are going to be after him for Mm -hmm. these and and he fled to russia because they granted him i think it might be political asylum is that the word political asylum yeah yeah and so he left to russia and he still has you know the fbi banging at his door and things and the thing is these and he lost he doesn't he lost his kids his his wife and kids won't speak to him and he has no because he can't he can't go back and be with them because He's a target and then, he's they, a might target and then they might go after his family. Yeah. So he's doing it to protect his family. And, you know, when he's asked in the interview, do you regret doing it? He's like, I feel like I did the right thing because obviously he wants to arrest the bad guy and, yeah. you know, have get justice for these poor women. But at the same time, he's like, I wish it didn't come at the cost of my family. So yeah. I probably I don't know if I would have done it again, which for well, me and was, I think that that's but I think that that is a perfect example of why this has gone on for so long and no one that he didn't get in trouble is because that's the level of power that we're dealing with where I get it. Like I, I can't believe he did do that. That's wonderful that he did. Yeah. But I gotta be honest, I wouldn't do it at the cost of my children and husband. I wouldn't like I, as selfish as it sounds, you know, when you know what it's like to, you know, give birth to a baby and have a family and have someone to provide for and look after, I don't know if I would have the guts to do it, if I'm honest. Maybe I would move the entire family uh, to a place where we were safe and then do it or something, but like... Probably not. But I don't. You know, like, what if the wife doesn't want anything to do with it and it's like, this isn't exactly. what I signed up and that's, for? That's what happened to him. Yeah. So I just, the collateral damage that really that's scary. is really scary. It's, you know, goes way beyond just, which is not just, by the way, but just goes way beyond the victims mm-hmm. and all the, the young 
with the children yeah. involved, mm -hmm. it's now also affecting people who are just trying to do their job and who are just trying to make America great again. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah. for real though, I'm yeah. not trying not, to, I'm not, not a Trump supporter, yeah, but either way. No, but I'm not an anyone supporter at this point because whatever, but uh, please don't put we're, that in. I, we're just an anti-Epstein supporter. I'm just literally an anti-Epstein, but you know, these are people that are trying to make America a better place mm -hmm. and they are incapable to do so yeah. because when you are dealing with this level of power, mm -hmm. You could be the sheriff of God knows where. Yeah. It's just not enough. And there's like a loophole. It's a clear loophole in the system, which people say all the time. And it's easy for us to just say that's how it is. And, you, you know, we can't really do anything mm -hmm. about it. But, you know, the 1% of people have a lot of power. If anyone of power in the circles of the like, like if if Prince Andrew's on one of those videotapes, Yeah, he's got a lot of incentive to shut this down. 100%. I'm just saying allegedly, but but I'm yeah. But you know, I'm not sitting here. That would take to down the whole royal family, basically. If the Prince whole Andrew royal is family. caught being a pedophile, that that takes down like hundreds and thousands of years of royal family and everything that the country stands for and mm -hmm. things. And you know, I'm not sitting here being, oh my gosh, I'm Diana Espier. I'm going to critique Epstein and give my opinion. But you know. If anyone of power... Oh, I, th I think feel free to. I think at this point we're all allowed no, to. No, but I'm not here to just be an ignorant, you know, commentator. Yeah. I'm just saying if anyone listening is in a power of... Um, is in a, p a position of power, mm -hmm. whether you're someone's boss or whether you are, you know, a, a senior executive at a company or anything, please be mindful of the power that you are given because yeah, I think that's that's important. Yeah, that that's kind of where I, where I was getting at with all the yeah. research that I did. Um, all the collateral damage that it could create. Obviously, mm -hmm. it won't go to those th this extent because this is just the craziest. Hopefully, story. everyone's afraid now. Hopefully, everyone's afraid. But this is what power can do to you. And so, if you're in any position of power, whether it's at work, within your family, you know, within your friends, just use it wisely, basically, because mm -hmm. you're you're not aware of how far it can go and how many lives can be affected by it. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where I was getting at, and why I said yes to doing this despite my lack of knowledge. I think we should end there because I think that that is such a good way to sum it up. In any position of power, think think about what. And, and even if you don't think about the victims, maybe if you're even that scummy, which let's hope people change and are not, think about your family. Think about what this could do to them. Just don't think about yourself constantly. Exactly. And I hate to be a fucking motivational person. You know that. But no, this but is something not, serious. It's, no, it's very serious. This is serious. And this is something that I truly believe in. So if you're ever going to hear Diana Espia be motivational, that's when it's going to happen because this is serious and this is what I truly believe in. It really is. All right. Well, thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me again. Yeah. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.